Welcome back to Chasing Dramas. This is the podcast that discusses Chinese history and culture through historical Chinese dramas. This is Karen. And this is Kathy. Today, we will discuss episode 17 of The Story of Minglan or In the last episode, our main character, Sheng Minglan, dazzled everyone in the capital by participating in a polo match where the young Duke Qi Heng helped her win a very coveted prize for her friend. Let's see the aftermath of her actions. Today's podcast episode is going to be a little light on history, but we are going to discuss further about various characters and the uh, societal implications of this time period. This podcast is in English with proper nouns and certain Chinese phrases spoken in Mandarin. Follow us on Instagram or Twitter or else email us at karenandkathy at chasingdramas.com if you have any questions. After last episode's dazzling polo performance, we now see what that means for Minglan. The Sheng women head to a temple for a meal. On the carriage, Wang Danyangzi is, of course, gossiping about how Qi Hong helped Minglan. She thinks that her daughter, being the Di Nu, would actually be able to match with the young Duke. Match as in marriage match. Even though Sheng Hong does not have a high position in court, Wang Danyangzi's maiden family comes from generations of scholars. Why wouldn't her daughter Rulan be able to marry Qi Hong? Thank goodness Wang Danyangzi has an intelligent and thoughtful headmaid who explains that whoever Qi Hong marries, she will have to contend with an overbearing mother-in-law. Qi Hong's mother is herself a Junzhu, which is just a step down from a princess. She will be watching her son like a hawk and will only accept another princess or equivalent as a daughter-in-law. Given Rulan's temper and naive nature, she will not have an easy time marrying into that family. After hearing this analysis, Wang Danyangzi actually backs down from this idea, and she's happy for Lin Xiaoniang to make Minglan's life a living hell. I'm not gonna lie, I right here am actually pretty impressed with Wang Danyangzi. She recognizes that while there's wealth and status possible in a match with Qi Hong, she's more focused on her daughter's happiness and doesn't bring this up anymore as a potential match for uh, her daughter. This will be heavily contrasted with Lin Xiaoyang's uh, opinion later on in this episode. At the temple, our main character Ming Lan is cleaning her mother's uh, spiritual tablet in one of the rooms. Uh, it's essentially her way of uh, communicating with her deceased mother and caring for her. Alone in this room, who shows up? It's none other than our handsome young Duke, Qi Hong himself. At seeing him, Minglan is highly anxious because in the room it is only just the two of them. He had distracted her maid, Xiao Tao, in order to have a conversation alone with Minglan. Though Minglan is uncomfortable, Qi Hong takes this as an opportunity to ask her about why she sent him knee guards before the exams. To him, he can't stand not knowing whether or not she cares for him. And by sending these knee guards, he thinks 
she is thinking of him. He does also want to know why she avoids him every time he tries to speak with her. And this is where, once again, the first viewing of this episode, I'm like, oh, this is so cute that he tried so hard to see her. But now, after a couple of viewings, I see it from Minglan's perspective. Minglan actually explains her current situation to him. As a man, he could never understand how difficult it is to be a woman at that time. And to me, after watching this scene multiple times, her monologue here is one of the most important explanations of what it means to be a woman in the Song Dynasty, or I would just say feudal China. We can draw many parallels to women in Western society, and while this drama is fantastic in many ways, we see how oppressive Chinese society was towards women. Minglan provides us an example to help the viewers and Qi Hong with this difference. Take Gu Tingye. He is currently known throughout the capital as someone who's a rake. He's able to spend time at brothels, not focusing on anything, but if one day he decides to turn around, study, and place well on the imperial exams, everyone will forget about his past and give him a fair shake at his career. He is the son of a marquis after all. If this were a woman, would the result still be the same? No, absolutely not. To be discovered together, alone in this room, Qi Hong, the young duke, would walk away with barely a scratch on his reputation. People would just say, oh, it's just a youthful romance or he's passionate. But what about Minglan? Her oldest sister, who is already married, would never be able to raise her head again at her in-laws and husband's household. Her other sisters may never be married and would be laughed at as spinsters. Her older brothers and father may be reprimanded in court and their career paths ended. The same event has such drastically different prices to pay for the man versus the woman. And Minglan is not willing to pay this price. To me, this is why Minglan is such a unique female protagonist. She has her head on straight. If this were any other drama, the female lead would have been head over heels in love with the Duke already and eager to marry him, not worrying about the consequences of what this may mean. It would have been a Cinderella story, right? Chi Hong He himself said, I will protect her, but can he really protect Ming Lan? That's yet to be seen. Qi Hong, upon hearing Minglan's concerns, does promise that if today's events are exposed, he will marry Minglan. At first, Minglan scoffs because she thinks he's thinking of marrying her as a concubine. A man of his status is set to marry a princess, not someone like her, but he surprises her. He claims that he wants to marry her as his official wife. She's stunned he would say this, and doesn't really have much in response. I think she's actually kind of wavering here. She's stunned that he would actually say this. For Qi Hong, his primary worry is that she doesn't care for him, but that is evidently not true. With this boost of confidence, Qi Hong leaves. Minglan also departs not long after and chastises her maid for leaving Minglan alone. Minglan is clearly a little confused, but once again, 
She has her head on straight and says that she should not have any expectations because once she does, the person who will suffer is her. Which I think is very fair. Back at the Sheng household, multiple people are discussing what happened at the polo field. The fourth sister Molan and her mother Ling Xiaoyang are, of course, displeased to see that the young duke would stick his neck out for Minglan. Molan, though, has captured the attention of the sixth son of the Count of Yongchang. Molan is over here playing the field and clearly hoping to marry up. It doesn't matter who, as long as she can beat her sisters. If Qi Hong doesn't work out, Liang Han is a good option. Minglan's father also comes to see Minglan. However, instead of asking how things went on the field, he comes to immediately chastise Minglan. Sheng Hong, the master of the family, does not think that it was prudent or proper for her to show off like she did on the field. Minglan tries to explain why she took to the field. It's because her friend's situation reminded her of her own deceased mother. But Sheng Hong does not care. By taking to the field, she attracted too much attention, especially by pairing with the young duke. Sheng Hong totally ignores the fact that his son Chang Feng ditched Minglan on the field, which meant she needed help. Instead, Sheng Hong thinks Chang Feng was actually in the right. Chang Feng was trying to prevent the Sheng family from losing face, and that is all Sheng Hong cares about: his reputation. Poor Minglan is reprimanded by her father rather publicly. She is punished to kneeling in the ancestral shrine for I don't know hours or a whole night. Soon after, everyone in the household knows because of the spies in her yard. And who are these spies? I am, of course, talking about the maids that Wang Danyangzi and Lin Xiaoyang sent over to Minglan after she became the manager of the household in episode fifteen. That sounds like a long time ago, so we're back to the storyline. That's the other headache Minglan has to deal with right now. These new maids do not listen to Minglan's authority whatsoever. They destroy fabrics or clothes, drop teacups, and in general focus on spying more than anything else. Minglan doesn't get angry though. She just lets the destruction happen. Though she evidently has something up her sleeve because she tells her grandmother's maid that she is mindful of what's happening. Sure enough, later in the episode, when Lin Xiaoyang's headmaid comes to retrieve their monthly allowance, they see one of the maids latching on to the third brother, Chang Feng. This maid was sent over to Minglan's yard so as not to be a distraction to Changfeng, but the moment he's around, she tried to get him to take her back. Lin Xiaoyang and her maid are furious upon hearing about this, but Minglan doesn't do anything and lets the events play out. We'll see what happens in future episodes. While Minglan has been reprimanded for her public appearance with the Duke. Lin Xiaoyang is not going to just let that go. She takes this opportunity to cozy up to Sheng Hong in an effort to get him to help Molan match with Qi Hong. To me, this is another series of revealing conversations, and we'll talk about this at the end of the episode as well. 
Right after Lin Xiangyang suggests that they think of Mulan, Sheng Hong immediately cuts her off. He does not think their family has any capital to marry into a duke's family. Lin Xiangyang is obviously displeased to hear this and sweetly says, as long as they have enough money for a dowry, then why couldn't this work? Sheng Hong pointedly asks, where will she get this money for that kind of dowry for her daughter? And here is where I'm disgusted because Li Xiangyang says, why can't they use some of Wang Danyangzi's money? What? You personally don't have enough money for your daughter, and so you think it's okay to use the wife of the family's money for your daughter? That doesn't make sense. But evidently, to Lin Xiangyang, it does. Interestingly, Sheng Hong scoffs and says that only the weakest of men in the world will think of using their wife's dowry. This is one prime example where Sheng Hong is a respectable man. Finally, we've actually seen two examples already in the drama where the husband's side of the family decides that using the wife's dowry is okay. One is Hua Lan's husband's family, and the other is Gu Tingye's family. These two families unabashedly used the woman's dowry to plug holes. Both are very humiliating instances, but there's not much the woman's side of the family can do if the husband's side doesn't care about losing face and decides to just use that money. After repeatedly rebuffing Lin Xiangyang's suggestions of matching Mulan with Qi Hong, Sheng Hong leaves a frustrated Lin Xiangyang. Later that night, Mulan is equally frustrated after hearing the same news from her mother. Lin Xiangyang, though, is not deterred by her conversation with her husband. Mulan is even more set to find a good match for herself. Her goal in life is to marry better than her sisters. They then talk about the two options they have. It's hilarious because in their minds, they can pick whoever they want, whether it's the house of Qi or the house of Liang. Mulan is even over there scoffing at the house of Liang, saying, oh, they only have the title of an earl. The house of Qi has the title of duke. How can the house of Liang compete? Honey, Mulan, I applaud you for your audacity and... I wish you the best of luck. The key line that Lin Xiangyang says here is that I don't care about destroying the reputation of the Sheng family. Who cares about anyone else as long as I, Lin Xiangyang, gain? This reveals a lot about their personality. We'll dive into a little bit more. But this shows the difference between Lin Xiangyang and Wang Danyangzi. Wang Danyangzi at this point very much cares about the Sheng family and will decide for what is prudent for her daughter. The episode ends with Gu Tingye bringing a matchmaker to the Yu family to propose marriage for Yu Yanran's hands. That is a plot point we haven't really discussed yet in this episode and we kind of skipped around a little bit. This will play a larger role in the next episode, but essentially, after the display at the polo match, Gu Tingye realized how wonderful of a woman Yan Ren is. She is kind and accepting, so she will most likely allow Gu Tingye's concubine and children to have a position in the Gu household 
if she marries Gu Tingye. Yu Yanran is of high birth and rather respectable, a perfect match for him. Unfortunately, when Gu Tingye goes to propose marriage, he is very much unwelcome and not even allowed in to the household. The matchmaker even tries to persuade him to find another match. We'll see what happens in the next episode. historical analysis, which will be rather brief, and then we'll talk about the various characters in this episode. Uh, there was a quick scene about fighting crickets when Ru Lan was in her carriage and she was watching crickets fight. We haven't seen fighting crickets yet, so we'll talk about this uh, rather popular pastime. Fighting crickets was a popular, uh, I guess, hobby in China. Reliable records of cricket fighting date back to the Song Dynasty, but it looks like it started during the Tang Dynasty. It became a favorite pastime of the aristocracy and, indeed, even emperors. Over the centuries, the pastime trickled down to commoners. Cricket fighting is a seasonal sport, as crickets only live around 100 days. <laughs> the season occurs during the fall, and it's always of two male crickets fighting. As we see in the drama, the crickets are placed in elaborate gourds. And I remember going to Beijing when I was young and saw old men still placing bets on fighting crickets. Essentially, what you do is you have very powerful crickets fight each other probably to the death. I think that's what it is. And you have huge betting matches. People can bet on who they think the cricket is the most powerful and likely to win. Cricket fighting is not a blood sport. Usually the crickets don't actually die. Uh, so there's that. They probably lose a limb, but yes. they don't die. Uh, essentially, imagine you have wrestling matches where you're betting on uh, a wrestler, but transition that into cricket fighting. Despite being a very important aspect of Chinese history, it was banned during the Cultural Revolution, though it is making a comeback in modern times. I personally don't know the environmental impact of modern day cricket fighting, and hopefully it's not too big. But uh, as we mentioned, you may still see this pop up in various um, dramas. And normally it's attributed to folks who are, let's say, not super studious. They like gambling, they like drinking, and part of that uh, persona is fighting crickets. Now on to character analysis. In my mind, this episode clearly lays out the unequal reality between men and women during Imperial China. As mentioned earlier, men can basically do whatever they want and recover. But one misstep from a woman, and she and her family will be scorned for life. That is very much reflected in how three men uh, decide to treat women in this episode. So the three men that I want to discuss are the young Duke Qi Hong, Minglan's father Sheng Hong, and Gu Tingye. 
We've already talked at length about Tzu Hong earlier, but let's frame him again. Tzu Hong was raised as the heir apparent to his father's title. He has a princess for a mother and no other younger siblings. He has lived a life of luxury. He has known no real hardships, and I believe in my mind he believes the world to be serene and pleasant. To his credit, he is a pretty upstanding guy. He is filial, he is obedient, and doesn't mess around with other women. It's very rare that a nobleman will willingly sit through the imperial examinations, especially since he will inherit a title. This shows that he is actually very ambitious, which is great. Sheng Changbai, the eldest son of the Sheng family, has to take the exam because his father is only a bureaucrat. And Sheng Changbai must earn his own position in court. Gu Tingye is the second son and will not inherit his father's title, which is why he also went to take the exam. As Karen said, in many other dramas and many other books, Qi Hong is the perfect Prince Charming. He loves Minglan and has eyes only for her. It's quite touching, but let's remember that this drama puts us relatively close to reality. Si Hong is woefully ignorant of the struggles of women in his society and all the dangers that he is practically imposing on Minglan with his advances. Si Hong wants to marry for love. I 100% commend him for it. However, his attentions place Minglan in a very tough spot. As the Shu Chu daughter of a lowly official, Minglan has literally no chance to marry Qi Hong. Qi Hong can ask for her hand in marriage, but his mother will not agree. Neither will, I guess, high society. Nothing will really happen to Qi Hong, but if word gets out that he proposed to Minglan, gossip would turn against her. People will call her a schemer or even a harlot. They would say she must have bewitched Qi Hong, and the gossip would then even turn to her family. People would question her father's intentions, and this gossip might as well ruin her siblings' chances for a good marriage. In the drama, Minglan calls Qi Hong out for his naivete. Sure, he can try to marry for love, but what are the costs to her? Has he thought of that? I don't think Qi Hong really ever did. I can't fault him for it, but it is refreshing to see in a drama that the main female lead keeps her head cool and doesn't just say, okay, yes, I will marry for love. If this was Mulan, she would have been like, 100%, let's do it. Screw my family, I don't care. I personally think the actor for Qi Hong, Zhu Yilong, did an amazing job portraying the besotted young man completely over his head about his first love. I think he did a great job. My main point for bringing this up again is to highlight how difficult it was for women in Minglan's situation to even reciprocate any type of feelings for someone like Ti Hong. Next up, let's talk about Minglan's father, Sheng Hong. So far, we've seen that Sheng Hong does not really care about Minglan as a daughter. In this episode, we have probably the longest scene between the two of them alone together. And all Sheng Hong does is reprimand his daughter's audacity to compete in a polo match with the young duke. He's primarily concerned that his daughter could have potentially damaged his reputation in front of the rest of society. What if she lost? What would people think 
seeing her out there with a young duke. They will think his daughter is actively trying to solicit attention from Ti Hong and what will happen to him at court. They will reproach him for having amoral children. He didn't care that his daughter competed for her friend and won. He doesn't care that she had really great polo and horseback riding skills. No. He instead praises his son, the coward Sheng Changfeng, for quitting the composition. That's really, again, just how unfair it is to Minglan. Her father does not care that his son was a coward at the match. He doesn't care that Minglan played for her friend. He doesn't care that Minglan is being is doing this because she was, is reminded of her deceased mother. He just cares about his reputation and to save face. For many fathers, their daughters, especially Shu Nu daughters, were just meant to get married. Not well, of course. As long as they didn't cause any trouble, that's all the fathers cared about. Sheng Hong is a better father in that regard, but he will always place his reputation first. In the drama, he's portrayed more as a bumbling but competent bureaucrat. He is, I will say, very clear-headed about any prospects for his daughters to marry Xi Hong. As he told Lin Xiangyang, there's no way that any of his daughters will be able to marry into that family. And again, he at least does not deign to even touch his wife's money, which is very different from several other families we've already seen. Now, lastly, for the men, let's talk about Gu Tingye. In this episode, Gu Tingye decides that he will propose marriage to Yu Yanran, Minglan's good friend. He's already split verbally with his family, but he also wants to split financially and establish his own house. In Chinese, this is called Finjia. However, to do that, he must have a family, aka get married. Based on what he heard at the polo match about Yu Yanran, he will propose marriage to her because he is sure that she will accept his mistress, Manyang. The kind Chang Momo immediately tells him to not speak of such things again. Fair. I mean, what woman wants to hear that you're proposing marriage so that you can give your mistress a place in the household? Right now, for me, I guess I'm just annoyed at him because he constantly says, I'm going to be my own man. Screw convention. Then what does he do? He stays very much with convention and tries to find a nice girl to marry. Once again, at no point does he even think of actually marrying Manyang. She will always and only be his mistress. Well, what do you think of Gu Tingye's decision? I guess he believes that marrying Yu Yanran is the best option. He believes, again, he believes she will treat his mistress kindly. He believes they will all get along and live a happy life. Well, that there again just shows the sorrows of this patriarchal society. Is it sad that Gu Tingye thinks that his actions are noble? What about Qi Hong's actions? They both believe they're acting for love. Who will, of course, get hurt? The woman. Well, enough about the men. I feel like I talk about Gu Tingye every week and not in a good way, so let me just lay off him now. <laughs> Karen, do you want to talk about uh, our mistress Lin, Lin Xiangyang? 
Sure. We already know that she's despicable in many ways. In this episode, though, her ambitions are on full display. I will commend her because she has a great line. Your father is just a man. He doesn't understand the intricacies of a household. She 100% believes her daughter, Mulan, can marry the young duke. When she talks to her daughter in the evening, their conversation is very revealing. Mulan is still worried that she might take actions that would embarrass the Shung family. This actually hints that Mulan is still thinking about her family and the education that Kong Mo bestowed upon the ladies. Remember, Kong Mo was like, anything that you guys do incorrectly will be uh, carried out or carried on to the rest of the family. However, Lin Xiangyang scoffs at this and says, I don't care about the Sheng family's reputation. I only care about my reputation. If the Sheng family is embarrassed to give me dignity, I will gladly embarrass the Sheng family. Remember this, because this will come to bear fruit, for better or for worse. Again, Lin Xiangyang's goal is to increase her own wealth and standing. She does not care a bit about this family. I bet she'll gladly kick her husband to the curb if she found another man too. I mean, she almost did that already. What was also revealing is that in Lin Xiangyang's mind, writing poems and enjoying art is what makes her daughter stand apart from the other daughters in the Sheng family. These are the skills she believes her daughter can use to compete against a Di Nu. However, do you remember what Countess Wu said in the last episode? Wu Danyangzi scoffed at Mulan's whole act. She said, who wants this whole coquetry act? While searching for a daughter-in-law, these mothers are looking for someone who can manage a household. And Lin Xiangyang hasn't considered this yet, to be fair. If Mulan couldn't read or write, how can she even compete? So in her mind, as a xiaoqie or a concubine, she thinks reading and have writing poetry is the most important. But women who are actually wives and are searching for wives for their sons recognize that those aren't the best qualities. Alrighty, let's finish up with book differences. There's not much to say about a book differences this episode, as many of the scenes were just added for the drama. In the book, we only hear about Gu Tingye's decision to marry uh, Yu Yanran after the fact. And we don't really see the whole process of him proposing marriage. But we will see what happens uh, to this proposal in the next episode. And that is it for today. Today, we mainly saw the aftermath of the polo match. And we saw how people reacted to Milan's actions. If you have any questions or comments on the show or what was presented in today's episode, please let us know. Thank you all so much for listening, and we'll catch you in the next episode.